Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, March 11th, 2016, and this is the Eye on College Basketball uh, podcast. I've got Sam Bassini with me. Matt Norlander is not here today. He's absent. It's an excused absence. He is either at the Big East Tournament or the Atlantic Ten Tournament. We'll figure that out uh, later, uh, but he's not going to be here for this episode. Sam is going to join me exclusively, and we got a lot to get to, obviously, but I wanted to start with uh, some interesting developments uh, over the past 24 hours before we get into actual basketball stuff. And that is fired coaches because that is a, a huge topic of conversation in the sport uh, this time of the year. St. Louis fired Jim Cruz. Central Florida fired Donnie Jones. Rutgers fired Eddie Jordan. And so, Sam, I talked to a bunch of sources um, really over the past month because you start preparing for these days a long time ago. But uh, in addition to that, uh, also over the past 24 hours, and I got the, uh, together a list of of candidates for the Rutgers job, guys who will absolutely be considered and or guys who should be considered. And it seems (laughs) at this point that uh, Rhode Island's Dan Hurley is going to be the top target. I think most people understand his background. He's a New Jersey guy. Uh, His father coaches the uh, Hall of Fame basketball coach at St. Anthony's. He's the brother of of Bob Hurley. Um, You know, his family is synonymous with basketball in the state of New Jersey. Rutgers, of course, is in the state of New Jersey. So simple question, Sam. Uh, If Rutgers approaches Dan Hurley, which it will, and if Rutgers offers the job to Dan Hurley, which most people think it will, um, whether formally or informally, should Dan Hurley take the Rutgers job? Should Dan Hurley leave Rhode Island after this season to be the next head coach of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights? All right. Well, first and foremost, let's just get this out of the way now. Shout out to Quincy Doobie. Yeah, shout out to Quincy Doobie for sure. The last time that Rutgers made the NCAA tournament was 1991, which, funny enough, is actually uh, more recent than what Oregon State has made it. Uh, but still, that, that's a program that doesn't really have a whole lot in the way of momentum at this point. Uh, man, you look at what... Dan Hurley has coming back at Rhode Island. I mean, you're not only talking about like E.C. Matthews and Hassan Martin, which are, you know, two potential all A-10 players. You got Jared Terrell, Jarvis Garrett, Curran Iverson, who you're very familiar with uh, down in Memphis. You've got uh, Indiana transfer Stanford Robinson coming in. There's just so much talent there. That is a legitimate A-10 title contender next year. Like They very well might be picked to win the league next year, uh, even though they're coming off of a 17-15 and season this year. It's just that they were ravaged with injuries, and that's what happens. The Rutgers job... It's not your typical Big Ten job. Like people are going to say, like, oh, this is a Big Ten job in talent rich New Jersey. That's not what this job is. I'm sorry. It's just like you look at the lack of success that this program has. You look at how quickly this program has gone through coaches since 1997. They've had Kevin Bannon, four years, Gary Waters, five years, Fred Hill, four years, Mike Rice, three years, Eddie Jordan, three years now. Like, That is one, two, three, four, five coaches in under 20 years. And it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight. And it doesn't seem like there's any momentum at this point going forward. You look at what that team has on its roster as far as returning talent. You have Corey Sanders, who's a legitimate, like, all-freshman team Big Ten member this year. 
very good talent. And then after that, there's not a whole lot to get excited about on this roster. Nigel Johnson comes in from Kansas State. Uh, I mean, there are some that they're excited about. Jonathan Jean Laurent, uh, he's fine. Uh, Those are are just guys, though. You know what I mean? Like, outside of that, they don't really have much in the way of talent on the roster. They don't have much in the way of recruits coming in because Eddie Jordan and staff there didn't really do a good job of recruiting the state of New Jersey. Uh, And and this just program, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of forward momentum in any sort of regard administratively either. I know that they just hired, uh, uh, got rid of Julie Herman and hired Patrick Hobbs, who at least seems competent in his job. But so that's a, so that's point, a, so that's man. an upgrade. You have to like yeah <laughs> yeah like actual competence now is great. Uh, it's just that I don't really see much in the way as far as reason for a high level candidate like Danny Hurley to take this job or uh, even like a even like a high level assistant like you know a, a Kenny Payne at you know Kentucky like that. This could be a job that could really fit him well, right? He recruits New Jersey really well. Uh, they could really do a good job by hiring him and, you know, getting a guy with a lot of connections within that New Jersey high school scene and maybe keeping some of that talent in state. But I don't know if this job like is good enough to even hire some of the elite assistant coaches. So it's just a tough situation, right? I think so. And I'm with you. I I think we're on the same page here. Like uh, first and foremost, I never, I sort of made it a rule of mine. I used to when I was younger. I, I, I thought I knew exactly what everybody ought to do, right, in terms sure. of their profession. Like, this guy should absolutely take this job, and this guy should absolutely turn down that job, and this kid should 100% turn pro, and this kid would be dumb if he, if he didn't, and blah, blah, blah. And then as I got older, um, and hopefully wiser, you realize that it's hard to tell what matters to people from a distance and what matters to you might not matter to other people. In other words, mm-hmm. um, what if a kid just hates school and wants to be in the MBDL, just wants to make a paycheck, whatever that paycheck is playing college, uh, playing basketball because he just doesn't want to go to English class anymore. Like uh, if that's shout weird, out to Kareem Canty, <laughs> shout out to Kareem Canty. Like, okay. So like if that's, if that, as long as the person understands what they're doing and, and that's what they actually want to do, who am I to tell them that that's dumb or wrong or whatever. So yep. uh, same thing with coaches, right? Um, I used to know what jobs everybody should take and should not take, but like, and we talked about this a little bit when the Wisconsin job looked like it was going to be open. It's now, uh, not going to open Greg Gard, of course, the uh, permanent head coach there or not permanent, but at least full time, <laughs> I guess nothing's permanent in this business, but he's the full time head coach. The interim tag has been mm-hmm. removed, but there was a time when it looked like Wisconsin was going to open and, and uh, the obvious candidate was Tony Bennett. The question was, should Tony Bennett take it? And some people said, well, not given what, um, he has coming back at Virginia and the way he's got it rolling there. And, and I couldn't disagree with any of those points. But the point I made was, hey, most of the people commenting on this have probably never had a personal conversation with Tony Bennett. What if mm-hmm. what if being back in, in the state where um, he was he was raised? matters to him what if being near his parents matters to him what if having his children grow up around their grandparents matters to him what if working at the same school his father used to work out matters to him like what if all that stuff trumps everything else then 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 he should take the job right and Mm -hmm. i say i say all that to say i can't tell you how much new jersey matters to dan hurley how much being the head coach at Rutgers. like there had to be a point in his life where it seemed unimaginable that he'd ever be offered the job 
as the head coach at Rutgers. Like that, like a kid from New Jersey. He's on his dad's staff at St. Anthony's. And suddenly he's he's been offered the head coaching job at Rutgers. Like that was a dream, right? But you fast so like perhaps that's a, something that's always resonated with him and 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 holding that position matters to him in a way that trumps all of the stuff you pointed out about the job. But sure. that and, and like we'll see, right? We'll see. That said, um from purely a, a um in terms of purely in terms of career advice, I think it'd be short-sighted for him to take this job. Not short-sighted for anybody to take this job, but for him and for all of the reasons you pointed out. One, and and most important, he's got a really good team coming back next year. Like they might be the A10 favorites. They they probably will be the A10 favorites, right? Yeah, I mean, Dayton loses a decent amount, I would say. Uh, trying to think who else it would be. VCU, VCU probably also uses a de- loses a decent amount, like Melvin Johnson. I believe that they lose uh, Bilberry. Uh, I don't know if they lose Mo Ali Cox or not, but like they they lose enough to where you could reasonably put Rhode Island right. ahead of them. Right, well, uh, Davidson's not really a contender, yeah. and then St. Joe's is probably going to lose uh, both Bembry and Miles. Yeah. So, so right. yeah. Okay. Well, let's just keep it simple, right? Uh, they he's going to have a team next year at Rhode Island capable of winning the Atlantic Ten by extension. Capable, Absolutely. Capable of going to the NCAA uh, tournament and to walk away from that, and, and also he's making about a million dollars a year, right? So. Um, I'm sure Rutgers could offer more, but like, you know, I, I don't know that they could offer a, a, that much more to make it a situation where you just cannot say no because the money's too yep. significant. So um, why take the Rutgers job, which is a terrible job independent of everything else, but a terrible job in the Big Ten? That's the thing that sometimes gets lost in this. Like some people will look at it and they'll go, Oh, wow, Big Ten job's open, like you said, right? Oh, it's a Big Ten job. Oh, mm-hmm. the Rutgers job's a Big Ten job. It is technically a Big Ten job. I have access to the league standing. I've seen it. It is actually in the Big Ten. They got the Big Ten logo and everything. I've seen it. Here's, here's what it actually is, though, in terms of um, how a candidate should look at it. Don't get all cut up in the Big Ten job like you're going to be coaching in the same league as Tom Izzo and, 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 uh, and, and John Beeline because that's actually the problem. You're going to be coaching in the same league as Tom Izzo and John Beeline, and they got better jobs than you. Like, okay, we're talking about the league with Michigan State and Indiana and Michigan and Ohio State and Purdue and Wisconsin and so on and so forth. Like, your job ranks last in that league. So if you mm-hmm. really knock it out of the park, and I don't mean knock it out of the park next year. Next year, you're just lucky if you don't finish dead last, like, like Eddie did. Um, but, like, if you're lucky and you really get the right pieces in place and you develop and you've got the goods, maybe in year four you can finish ninth. Why? Yeah. Why do you want to do that to yourself when you've already got a good job? The type of guy who could do who should do that to himself is somebody who's unemployed, got no other options. That's how Herb Syndek ends up on a list like this. Hey, I'm not doing anything. I've been I've been uh, pushed out of NC State and fired at Arizona State, and now uh, Rutgers is going to offer me an excess of a million dollars a year to coach basketball again. Sure, I'll do it. Herb Syndek makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Herb's uh, from Pittsburgh too, so right. that's like kind of an area, right? Like connection there. Like right. he's from the Northeast at the very least. So uh, shout out to fellow Carnegie Mellon graduate Herb <laughs> Yeah, if Herb if Herb called me and said, "Hey, well, you, you should I take the Rutgers job?" I'd say, um, "What are your other options?" And he'd say, eh. "I'd say, yeah, why not? Do you want to coach? If you want to coach? Go ahead. Yeah, like what yeah. what else are you gonna do?" Um, a, a guy who has been in a low major job for a while and it's just pretty clear it ain't happening like it ain't going anywhere like you're good enough to keep that job and make 
$250,000 a year, $400,000 a year, but it ain't ever, ever bouncing. Suddenly you can make, you can get a million dollar a year raise. Hey man, you know, everybody's, everybody's got mortgages to pay. I got no issues with a guy just taking the money grab, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's it. Anybody with a promising career, anybody who you look at and you go, in two years, that guy could really be in a nice spot. That's mm -hmm. not the, that's not the guy who should take the Rutgers job. And, and that's why I don't think if I were Danny um, and I could strip away all the personal stuff and just focus on it strictly as um, making the right choice for my career or the wrong choice for my career, independent of everything else. Um, I think it'd be foolish to take the Rutgers job like a whole. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like purely on a basketball, like from a basketball standpoint, like, don't you think that you would rather have St. Louis, which opened yesterday when right. they uh, dismissed Jim Cruz, so to speak? Yeah, uh, I mean, wouldn't you rather have St. Louis? Well, you got a better. First off, um, at St. Louis, you got better facilities. <laughs> like they got a brand new mm -hmm. on-campus facility that's beautiful. I've been there. Um, the one of the nights I was there was when uh, I guess it was Jim's first year after Majerus had passed, and he had a good team. Like they and that place was packed. So like mm -hmm. whatever it holds, nine thousand people. They had nine thousand people there. So uh, you know. Uh, that to me suggests that the fan base is there. If you can, if you, if you give them a good product, they'll show up, you know? Um, and, and uh, so like, yeah, I, I, and it's an easier climb. St. Louis in the A-10 is a much easier climb than Rutgers in the big 10. Like St. Louis, you can, you could reasonably compete for, you know, A-10 titles. I mean, they, they've won A-10 titles. Uh, yeah. Rutgers. I like, seriously, you could take Tom Izzo, put him at Rutgers. He'd never win the big 10. Yeah, St. Louis won the A10 title in 2014. Right, like, yeah, I would rather. That's, I mean, that's a, so. Like, yesterday, within hours of each other, a Big Ten job open and an A10 job open. The A10 job's the better job, and here's why. I had a coach tell me this a long time ago, and it's always stuck with me. And I, um, I think it is mostly accepted as fact by by guys in the profession. You would don't get caught up in the league you're in. Like, do not get caught up in. I'm a Big Ten coach. I'm a mm -hmm. Pac-12 coach. I'm a like, cause you don't want to be the coach at Washington state. Like you might want to be a PAC 12 coach, but you don't want to be that coach. Like, by the way, I noticed who Washington state hired yeah, Ken, a right. guy that, you know, wasn't really working. Right. Was unemployed. I mean, at least unemployed relative to the coaching profession. So like sure. you might want to be a, um, oh man, it's always been my dream to be a, a uh, you know, I don't know. A, 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 let's just stick in the PAC 12. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to trash too many different jobs. I'll just, I can make my point by just trashing the same one over and over again. Uh, yeah. Hey, it'd be great to be a PAC 12 coach. Yeah, I guess, but not the Washington state coach. It'd be great to be the Arizona mm -hmm. coach. It'd be great to be the UCLA coach. It'd be great to even be the Washington coach. Basically the advice, not the advice, cause like I'm not a coach, but like the point that this guy made was don't worry about the league you're in. Just make sure you've got one of the best jobs in your league. Like, make sure it's a top, he actually said a top three job. I'll never take a, a job that's not a top three job in a league. But um, but I think you could expand that. And let's just make it a top half. Like, don't like don't take the bottom quarter job in, in a power conference because you're going to get eat up. Like, you'll get eat up. And that is a miserable way to live. Even when the direct deposits are awesome, it is a miserable way to live. Uh, like, Pat Chambers, I think Pat Chambers has done a good job at Penn State. Can't, can't get anywhere though. Like it's just impossible to get anywhere out of there, you know, but he, you know, he, he was in a position where you just take the money and you do it and you, you take your shot and that's what he's done. But like for Dan, Dan's got an opportunity. I, I, I think this, if Dan takes the Rutgers job in one year, 
He'll finish 13th in the league at best. And he'll be looking at the other jobs that open. And he'll go, wow, if I would have stuck at Rhode Island, won the Atlantic 10, went to the NCAA tournament, I could have had that job, that job, that job, or that job. And all of those jobs are better than the Rutgers yeah. job. Yeah. So yeah. Like, and by the way, you mentioned Pat Chambers. Right. Pat Chambers, who you think has done a reasonably good job. Uh, he's definitely got really good recruits coming in next year. I'll say that. Uh, this is a job on the upswing at the very least. In five years at Penn State, he's finished 11th, 12th, 10th, 13th, 10th. That's the deal, though. That's what you are. Yep. Like what, when, Penn State is undeniably a better job than Rutgers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like where are you going? Like I, I really, I really think there's a handful of power conference jobs that almost you who almost you put anybody there. Like you take Brad Stevens and throw him at Rutgers. I just don't think you can get it done. Like I, I really think that. I think Brad Stevens would would never make the NCAA tournament at Rutgers. <laughs> like, is, is that a? Crazy? I think he'd struggle. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be tough. You know, so like. Uh, yeah, uh, Dan, if you're listening, do whatever you want to do. But in terms of strict, uh, strictly in terms of uh, what's best for the career, uh, just hold tight, hold tight. You get a better job than Rutgers. Um, just sit, sit tight for, for a second. Um, let's talk actual basketball. So when we uh, spoke on Wednesday, oh yeah, that happened. It's yeah, championship week. It is championship <laughs> week. When we spoke on Wednesday, we were discussing Buddy Hill, Denzel Valentine and uh, the player of the year race. And we, I think most of us, Kentucky fans think it's a, <laughs> like Tyler Eulis is involved with all due. I, I love Tyler Eulis. Um, I, I don't think he's involved in this conversation. Um, you I know, think, I made that comment like on Wednesday or whatever. Right? I, I haven't heard from any Kentucky fans. I'm pretty <laughs> surprised about that. Like, I think that they understand that I love Tyler Eulis. Like I, I've been his biggest supporter all year and, you know, I just don't think he belongs in this conversation. Yeah, no. I think it's fair. I think this is a two-person conversation. It's Denzel Valentine, Buddy Hield, and when we talked about it on Wednesday, uh, you said if you had to vote today, and we won't vote today, we will vote um, in advance of the Final Four, um, you would vote Denzel Valentine. I said I would vote <laughs> Denzel Valentine. Matt Norlander said he would vote Denzel Valentine, and then Buddy went out and got 39 on Iowa State in the Big 12 quarterfinals. <laughs> if you had to vote today, and we're not voting today, but I just wonder, is that the type of thing, seems like the type of thing, that could uh that could move somebody that could switch them from Denzel to Buddy. Did you get switched from Denzel to Buddy? Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I would still go Denzel. I mean, here's the thing: Denzel plays Ohio State, and God love my alma mater. But Denzel has averaged like 22 and 10 and five against them this year. So there's a good chance he's probably going to do what Buddy did last night today against Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, it's just the nature of this race at this point. It's very fluid. I would still go Denzel. I mean, if, you know, if Ohio state defeats them and gets the bubble win they need, uh, defeats the Spartans that is, and buddy goes out and drops 40 again tonight and goes out and, you know, really competes against Kansas again in the big 12 title game. Yeah. I mean, it could absolutely switch again, but, uh, I'm still going Denzel. I, I just, feel like he has more of an overall impact on the game than what Buddy does. Yeah, that's fine. I just, you know, it's it sort of, and fluid's the right word. There was a time where it seemed like it had to be Buddy, and then in the past week it seemed like it had to be Denzel, and then Buddy goes out and, like, like literally set a record in the Big 12 tournament. Like, nobody had ever put 39 points uh, on anybody in that event, like, in mm -hmm. history. Like, all the greats that have played in that tournament, Kevin Durant, Michael Beasley, Andrew Wiggins, and... And yet, buddy, nobody got 39 before. You know, buddy went out and got 39 that went over Iowa State. So uh, the player of the year debate uh, to be continued. I mentioned Tyler Eulis. There was a development with him sort of out of nowhere yesterday. John Calipari uh, 
announced, I guess, that Eulis is entering the NBA draft. And he said, some of you people told me that he was a four-year player. He's not. He's going to enter this, you know, he'll be drafted this year, um, which means he's going to never be a junior or a senior at the University of Kentucky. Does that surprise you at all? <laughs> it's always really surprising to me when coaches just randomly announce that players <laughs> are going pro. Like, uh, Rick Pitino is famous for doing this. Yes. Pitino will do it like regularly. He did it with Harold last year. I think he did it with Terry Rozier when like nobody was sure what Terry was going to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a surprise to me. I have Tyler Eulis as a first round pick right now, but I'm also considerably higher on Tyler Eulis as a prospect than I think a lot of people are. Um, I think that he's going to be a really good pro. I think that he's a guy that's going to kind of demand respect from an NBA locker room uh, in the best way that a rookie can at the very least uh, from the outset of his career. And there are so few guys that you can say that about. Uh, he's uh, the biggest thing that he improved upon this year for me was his ability to shoot off the dribble. Like if you're that small, you really have to be able to create space, which he's obviously always been able to do. You really need to be able to shoot off the dribble so that you can create those passing lanes so that the longer, bigger athletes don't close down all of the angles for you. Uh, he's able to do that now, especially from the mid-range, especially from the three-point line, uh, even though I know his percentage isn't great from when his elbow was hurt early in the year. Uh, he's really been able to improve in that way. He's obviously a really strong defensive player. I don't know how that's going to translate necessarily, but uh, I'm excited to see what Tyler Eulis can do in the NBA. And then, of course, Kentucky will be fine. They have De'Aaron Fox getting ready to enroll. He is, <laughs> I think most people consider, the number one point guard prospect in the country. Also, uh, Malik Monk, Adebayo, Wendon Gabe, like they're going to be loaded again. Do we know Plus yet? Plus you would imagine that maybe Isaiah Briscoe comes back. Right. I, I actually am under the impression that he won't, but like he could, obviously he could. I guess anybody could. I definition. don't know that he would get drafted. So You, you think he'd go absolutely undrafted, not in the top 60 picks? I think it would be close. Huh. There's just no one real excited about him right now. I mean, what, what has he done this year? He's a good yeah. defender, but I mean, he's not necessarily the best athlete. He's a really good bowling ball, like kind of when he gets into the lane, but he has decent vision as well in like uh, full court settings. But uh, you look at what he's actually done this year and really his best impact has been defensively. It's really hard to find a fit for him on the offensive end because he's one of the worst shooters in college basketball this year. So what happens if he comes back to school? You just go Fox, Monk, and Briscoe? One, two, three? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know if you start them all, but I mean, they all can get like 30 minutes a game. Right. You know, there's enough there's enough time in a game for them to get that many minutes and th that's fine. And, and, you know, maybe Briscoe improves his jump shot and, you know, continues to go. Our buddy Jeff Goodman has said that he thinks that Briscoe's a four-year player and, you know, maybe next year John Calipari will be complaining about how uh, everyone thought that Isaiah Briscoe would be a four-year player next year and he has a great year and he goes to the draft and succeeds. But right now I will say that I haven't talked to a lot of people that are excited about Isaiah Briscoe. All right, switching gears. Why is Fran McCaffrey acting like a jerk? You see this last night? What's his deal? <laughs> I don't know. It's just Fran being Fran at this point, right? Like, th there's no other way to describe it, right? I guess that's it. It was just a bad, just a bad look at the end of a what is becoming a a bad season for people who didn't see it. Iowa lost to Illinois, which is not something Iowa should be doing <laughs> at this point in the season, in this particular season. And uh, so, uh, you know, afterward, very typical, you know, post game press conference, two players, one coach. And a reporter asked 
the players, like through, what was the play call? Um, you know, I guess on the final sequence, I'm not real sure. And uh, before the players could even answer, Fran like jumps up, not jumps. I don't, I don't want to create a image that's not accurate. <laughs> he didn't jump, but sitting in his chair, he said, it's none he of your business. Awesome though. Yeah. None of your business. What the play call is none of your business period. You know, like, what, like just being a jerk. Like that's all it was just being a jerk. And you know, if it were anybody else, you might go, eh, well, you know, maybe they just got a bad moment, took a bad loss. They've lost five of six and six of eight. And this is the second time in three years. They've sort of spiraled like this heading into Selection Sunday. But, like, Fran does have a history of doing this. Like, he, it, it wasn't just a bad moment for him. It was a moment for him. It's like it, yeah. it was a, a predictable moment for him. And I just – I'll never understand why people have to act that way. Like, that was a very reasonable question to ask in that moment. And if you don't want to answer it, there's a there's a decent way to not answer. Just say, hey, listen, we don't get involved in uh, in, in talking about um, you know what we called or um, the truth is like it just it, it obviously didn't work. And uh, so we'll go back to practice and we'll work on it. And uh, hopefully next time we call that same one, uh, it, it'll work out better. Like that, there's a decent way to answer that question. You don't have to start yelling at a reporter. And mm-hmm. given that that Fran does have a history of this type of stuff, um, I don't know. I just I don't know. It's just a, it's just a, he looked foolish. And I, I, I think, I, I hope that if he could see himself outside of that moment, he'd realize how foolish he looks. And the other thing is, um, you know, I don't know. I, I'll just keep it simple. He looked foolish. I thought it was a bad moment, an embarrassing moment for him. I don't, I don't know why you have to act like that in that setting. You, you took another bad loss. It's not a reporter's fault. Just to answer the questions, which is part of your job. And then, and then, you know, go be mad at, whoever you want to be mad at, but yelling at a reporter in a public setting, um, that, that, that almost never makes a coach look like a decent person. Yeah. Not only was it like, just not decent, like you said, like it was just awkward, like watching it like unfold. Cause there's a video out there of it. And you know, the question was asked of Mike Gazelle and Jared Uthoff, right? They were on the dais with them and Mike starts to answer the question, right? Like Mike's, Mike's like, well, uh, and then Fran just cuts right across him and goes like, it's not your business what the play call wasn't gazelle and like Uthoff just like awkwardly like kind of their eyes dart and you know like Uthoff's looking at the ground like okay this yeah. is kind of weird like it's just an awkward scenario I, I don't see a reason for it my guess on it was that he was kind of trying to protect the players a little bit like that maybe like that's what the psychology was like in his mind I don't buy that necessarily i i think it's still no he was just being a jerk he wasn't yeah Yeah. he he wasn't trying to protect anybody he was just being a jerk it's a little bit like when people were asking very reasonable questions Mm -hmm. about adam woodbury poking people in the eyes over and over again yeah yeah and he and he snapped at them like i i don't know it's just hey, hey if you there are some people out there who really don't care how they look and really don't care how uh people perceive them and if fran is one of those people fine if he really doesn't care that he comes off like a jerk in those settings, then fine, he can keep doing it. Then, like, you know, whatever. But he came off like a jerk, and it was a bad look. And, um, you know, it, it, it just I, – I don't know. If I were his athletic director, I, I would have a talk with him. I'd say, listen, yeah, like, no, well, I agree like, with you're you. A, yeah. You're, you're, you're the, the face on some level of, of – one of the faces of this university. You acting like a jerk publicly – like that's not the that's not the image we want to portray, and the, the idea that he's cons- like everybody can have a bad moment. We've all had bad mm-hmm. moments, but like that that he has a bunch of he seemingly has more than most, 
And yeah, yeah, no, it just looked a little bit petulant to me in a way. You it, know, like it, there wasn't a reason for it. And to be fair to Fran, like he answered a similar question after in the locker room. Like he, someone asked him straight, like, what was the play call on that play? And then he like kind of meandered around it, didn't really get into like detail on it. But he said like, well, we had two plays called and, you know, because uh, they were switching defenses on us. And uh, Mike was supposed to kind of go around and uh, pick up the ball and, you know, throw it across. And it just didn't work. Right. Like he kind of he didn't really answer the question, but he at least was like a little bit more decent in what his response was. Right. Um there was no reason to do that on the dais. Right. None. Like yeah. there, there's just no circumstance where you should be just cutting across your player before uh, he's about to answer something. No. And whenever, like it's something that the player is, you know, comfortable answering. Like Mike just shrugged his shoulders and started answering. Like it wasn't like he awkwardly looked at Fran for guidance on like, what should I do here? Like, how should I respond to this? Like it was something he was comfortable answering was answering. And then Fran just cut across and finished it. Like, yeah. I, I don't understand that. No, I don't either. Other, other than it was just, you, you're just being a jerk. And if you don't care, like if you're like, I don't care, I'll just be a jerk. Doesn't matter to me. I don't care what anybody thinks. Well then. Okay, fine. But understand that is what everybody thinks. You know? So I hope you're comfortable with it because that's the, and when people think of you and like Fran's a good basketball coach, but you know what? When people think of Fran McCaffrey, you know what they think of? Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy guy on the sideline who's, who acts like a jerk often yeah. like that, that if that's really the way you want people thinking of you, then that's then that's fine. But that is the way people think of you. And yeah, it, and that's unfair to what he's done as a coach there, by the way. Like it, no, that, that's my point good basketball coach. that's going to go to his third straight NCAA tournament. He went to three straight NCAA tournaments at Siena, right? No, that's my point is that he's a good basketball coach and he's done a good job at Iowa. And yet to the extent that anybody knows anything about him. Like the casual sports fan, no, he's the cra- he's the crazy coach at Iowa who's always pissed off about stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the image that that's it, to the extent that people know you, that is that that's what people know you as. And if you know, I I don't know, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I got my own per- personality flaws. Um, I'm not trying to pretend like I've got everything figured out, but like um, I don't know, I wouldn't be comfortable if every time I was in a public, not every time, but t- too often I was in a public setting, I. Uh, presented myself in a way that made people think I was a jerk. Like you may think I'm stupid or, or wrong about things, but um, I, 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 I don't know. I wouldn't want to be on camera publicly treating another human being the way he seemingly talks to, um, to, to, to I don't know. We got multiple cases of it. I don't, I just thought it was a bad look. Like when I saw it, I felt, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's just a bad look. I, no, I, I totally agree with you. Like, Here's the thing that, you know, you also have to consider about this. You know, Fran is a really good basketball coach, like we said, who has taken four different schools, I think, to the NCAA tournament, right? Like, he's been awesome. But to an extent, like, if this thing goes south at Iowa, which, you know, you never root for a situation to go south, obviously. But, like, if it does, and, you know, that might not be crazy because eventually every situation goes south, right? Like, you can be rolling and eventually something's going to go poorly unless you're at like Kentucky or Duke or one of the true blue bloods. Um, the thing with this is like, there are going to be athletic directors out there that just don't want to hire you. Well, that's if the you're thing. like this, well, like that, it limits your opportunity too. That, it, like it doesn't help you no, to do this. No, it limits your opportunities. Uh, not that, not to suggest you're trying to bounce from Iowa, but it does limit your opportunities. No, and yeah, the other thing, if it goes South on you, nobody fights for the, for the jerk to keep his job, you know? Yeah. Like, like if you're going to treat people that way publicly and, and create that image of yourself publicly, I, you better be, you better keep winning. 
Because if it ever goes south, nobody, you know, nobody stands up and says, ah, you know, but he's do this. And this, and this. No, you know, oh, the, the guy who acts like a jerk is, is suddenly losing too much at Iowa. Oh, well, they should get rid of him. Like, I don't know. It's just you better be good. If you're going to if you're going to treat people that way publicly, the way he did last night and the way he has other times, you better keep being good at your job. Because uh, if you're not, it, uh, there won't be that, uh, that, that, that line of people uh, standing up, uh, you know, suggesting that uh, this is a good man who's done great things. People won't quote the positives of your resume. They'll just point out that you're losing and that you also act like a jerk. And that's a bad, uh, that's a bad combination. Uh, let's move on. Vanderbilt uh, lost in Nashville to Tennessee um, at the buzzer. Uh, to end its reg- its season, to, to, to cement its resume heading into Selection Sunday, and they were already on the bubble, and I guess I'll make it simple. I'm not a bracketologist, but um, one of the things I've picked up on over the years is that, is that if you're already on the bubble and the last thing you do before Selection Sunday is take a terrible loss uh, to a team that is outside of the top 100 of the RPI and playing without its leading score... Uh, you're probably headed to the NIT. Vanderbilt's probably headed to the NIT, right? I think they should be. I mean, this is a team that I thought was a top 20 team in the country coming into the year. I loved this Vanderbilt team. I mean, you have two legitimate potential first-round picks in Wade Baldwin and Damian Jones. Some people are a little bit higher on Jones than I am. I, I think he's just fine. But, like, you have two guys that are, you know, potential first-round picks. You have Luke Cornett. Another kid that's really talented, can shoot the ball, you know, can protect the rim. He's a good defender. And then you have all these shooters around them. You have Riley Lachance, who's shooting 36% from three. Jeff Roberson, 45% from three. Joe Toy, 42% from three. Uh, Matt Fisher-Davis, 46% from three on a ton of attempts. Like, this team should not be as bogged down as it constantly is offensively. You have a legitimate point guard, a legitimate big man who can step away and do some stuff in the pick and roll. You have a pick and pop big man. You have all of these shooters around them. And this offense looks totally incompetent at times. Like it's just so frustrating for me to watch this team. And I expected so much more of them And at 19 and 13. They're only wins right now that are uh, really of note uh, or I believe Florida uh, on the road, Kentucky uh, at home and Texas A&M at home. Uh, They've also beaten Florida at home, I think, and they've beaten Alabama at home. But the problem is that they don't really have much in the way of uh, like road or neutral wins either. Like that Florida win is their best road win. I think that they also have Tennessee and Auburn. Uh, But whenever you're three and nine or whatever on the road and you're Windsor, Florida, Tennessee, and Auburn, that's not going to be impressing anybody on any level. No. So uh, I'm not I'm not sold on this team as an NCAA tournament team. I know that last week people were so excited about like Vanderbilt, and they're going to be the team that, uh, you know, can really bust brackets from the 10 seed line. And I was like, no, why, why would you believe that? Like, we haven't seen anything from this team right like this season. I know that they won four games in a row coming down the stretch. They beat Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, but three of those games were at home. Like, it's just not, I don't see a reason to believe in this team right now. And I don't see a reason to think that they will get it together by NCAA tournament time. Well, they're not going to be in the NCAA tournament. They're going to, they, they, they well, the next thing we'll see about Vanderbilt is whether they can make a run in the NIT. Uh, six losses outside of the top 50, three outside of the top 100, only yep. two top 50 wins at this moment. Nothing really accomplished outside of the Florida win away uh, from Memorial. Yeah. You're telling me that I could have a, a 19 and 13 Vanderbilt team or a 27 and five St. Mary's team. Yeah. 
Right. I would rather have St. Mary's. I understand their resume isn't like great by any means, but uh, I would rather have that oh, team. Well, I actually think I just think they have a higher ceiling. Yeah. Well, I actually I, would, I think you make the you made it easy on the committee yesterday. Like you, if you are on the bubble and they're considering you and even leaning toward like you're going to get in, like that's what it looked like this time yesterday. They're going to get in, and then you lose on a neutral court in your hometown. Like they didn't play a Memorial, but it is in Nashville. Yep. You lose on a neutral court to a bad Tennessee team without its best player. And, and now you want to make a case to go to the NCAA tournament? No, 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 no. You can't, you can't take that loss on a, on a Thursday afternoon um, and, and expect to still get the benefit of the doubt on Selection Sunday. I don't think. Let me be very clear. I don't care. Put them in. Don't put them in. Doesn't matter to me. Um, but I'll be surprised at this point if Vandy uh, is in the NCAA tournament. Let's get out of here. We're about 10 minutes from games tipping off uh, on this Friday. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll watch basketball all day, write about basketball all day, and then we'll talk about it again I guess not until Selection Sunday. After the Selection Show, uh, we'll get Norlander back, and uh, it'll be us three chatting about what will then be a bracket completed for the 2016 NCAA Tournament. Remember, if you haven't subscribed to the Island College Basketball Podcast yet, you can do that over at iTunes. That is the quickest way to make sure you you get your hands on the latest episode. So go do that, and uh, we'll talk again Sunday night. Shout out to Devin Downey. Uh, Until then, take care.